Spaceship. 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 <laughs> spaceship. <laughs> Nobody's going to tell me not to build a spaceship. <laughs> spaceship. Spaceship. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to episode 79 of the Movie Bite Podcast, a show all about movies, movie reviews, movie news, trailers, and more. We're recording on Tuesday, February 11th, 2014. I'm TJ, your host, and joining me today is the ultimate nonconformist, the master builder, Chad Hopkins. How are you, Chad? I am building away. Excellent. How, <laughs> how, are, how are the pieces fitting together? Do you, are you in possession of the craggle? I, I am in possession of the craggle. I'm holding it in my hand. Okay. I'm going to, um, in fact, I have proof of this. I'm going to put a link to it in <laughs> the show notes if I can, if I can get a hold of that link. And while I'm uh, looking that up, let me introduce also someone who has been, it's been so long since he's been on the podcast that I don't think anybody will remember him. Uh, and in fact, he co-founded the podcast with me. I know that's, that's, that's hard to believe because he's, he's abandoned us in, in our, in our prime but uh, folks, give a good, warm welcome. Raise your raise your glasses and toast to Joe Darnell. Thank you, thank you, everybody. Woohoo! Okay, I'm back. So, how's it going? You got that link yet? Did you get that picture in there? I, w- I really want to see Chad with Craggle. Oh, it's not it, it's not Chad here. I'm pasting it in the show notes now. Um, oh, okay. It's not. It, it's just a picture of the Craggle. It's not Chad. Chad. Oh. Chad, Chad cannot be seen. We're, we, we're not even sure Chad exists. I mean, we have this disembodied <laughs> voice. I've never met him. I tried to meet him when I was in Texas, and he refused, so I'm not even sure he exists. <laughs> Frankly, you yeah. could get that avatar from anywhere, Chad. You know, I could. Yeah. I, I don't know. Maybe I'll have to prove myself sometime. So how's it going, Joe? Good. How is it going, TJ? I'm uh, happy. Good. I, I watched a really awesome movie this last weekend. You did? Which movie yeah. was that? Um, it was this called um, the, the Lego movie. Yeah. Yeah, it was really awesome. Oh, I saw that too. Yeah, sweet. I, I saw that one. Yeah, were you there at the beginning? Yeah, good, good, good. I, I really like the beginning and the middle and the end. Yeah. Oh, so. me too. Those are my favorite parts. I can go for the beginning and the middle and, and the end. <clears throat> yes. Uh, <clears throat> ooh, spoiler. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, hey, we do have a few things to talk about here, though, before we dive into our review of the Lego Movie. And Joe, this might be of interest to you because back in the day, back when Movie Bite meant something to you, uh, uh-huh. you wrote a little review called Taken 2, Please Take It Back. So, oh, yeah, I remember that, yes. that one like yesterday. Yes, and, and there was a reason for that. But we're, we've just found out that Taken 3 is a real thing and that no one is going to get taken in Taken 3. We actually found this out on what? Thursday of last week. Yes. This is according to Russ Fisher over at SlashFilm.com, who is the managing editor over there. He says, uh, let's get the word from Liam Neeson via Bleeding Cool. The actor was on the show hosted by Jonathan Ross in the UK and explained, they called me up and I said, I'll do it, but only as long as nobody gets taken. Neeson didn't give up any more details, perhaps having been well-conditioned by the Christopher Nolan PR machine. (laughs) Luke Benson and Robert Mark Kamen scripted the film, and we know that Maggie Grace, playing Neeson's daughter, will also be back for a third turn. Well, I mean, since you know Liam Neeson and Maggie Grace are like the primary, you know, stars of the movie, I, I'm not even sure why they're calling it Taken if nobody's going to get Taken. I mean, what do you think about this, Joe? You, you, uh, it's a really bad choice. You know, if they're going <laughs> to do this, a story about the character again, another one, then, uh, mm, you know, 
I think the simplest solution is to just give it another name and say it's part of the the continuation of the Taken, Taken series. I mean, what is that character, Jack well, Ryan? Yeah, I mean, he's in a dozen <laughs> different films, and they're not called Jack Ryan 1, 2, and 3, and 4, and 5. You know, and so... I think that they could totally get away with having it say "Storing Liam Neeson," and then everybody goes to see it. They don't need to know. Yeah, what it's it, could, it could just be another generic Liam Neeson action movie. It doesn't have to yeah. be taken. Yeah, I mean, I, I agree with you guys, but I feel like maybe they they feel like they've boxed themselves in because they did go for Taken Two in in the second installment for you know because people already recognize the name Taken and people like Taken and so. Hey, Taken Two. I mean, it's another Taken, and we're gonna take somebody else. And ooh, you know, well, Taken Two didn't do anything in the box office, so I don't know why they'd want to capitalize on that. Uh, it is amazing to me that they're doing Taken Three because you're right, Taken Two tanked. The critics gave it a twenty-one percent, uh, and out of uh, two hundred and seven thousand uh, users on Rotten Tomatoes, they gave it a fifty-four. Right. Yeah, I'm not sure yeah. why they're not taking your advice in this headline and, and and please take it back. I mean, I mean, why would we make a third one? It seems like we've learned nothing. But at the well, same we have time, to I see mean, what it, it earned is, at the box office. What's well, that? Honestly, uh, we have to no, see what it earned at the box office. It took forty five million dollars to make it, and then three hundred million dollars plus later, they've got a profit. You're saying Taken uh, Two did that? Yeah. Uh, well, that's why it's they're making gross. Taken Three. Yeah, that's budget uh, forty-five right million dollars. <laughs> a box office it earned three hundred seventy-six million. That's yeah. I mean, that's I, that's more than I expected. But in yeah. any event, Taken Two was not a good film, in in my opinion. I mean, they you know, Joe, they could do the whole uh, thing like they did with Twilight. You know, the first book was called Twilight, and then they started calling it the Twilight Saga: Breaking Dawn, the Twilight Saga: New Moon, the Twilight Saga. I think I got those two reversed, and then the Twilight Saga: uh, Breaking Dawn. You know. Uh, they they could uh, they could do something like that, right? Taken, you know, mm-hmm. nobody gets taken. <laughs> Colon, right. nobody they, gets could, taken. They, they could call it uh, returned. <laughs> <laughs> oh man! Well, um, I'm putting your review in the show notes of Taken Two, as well as this article about uh, Taken Three. Um, I, I'm not even planning on seeing this. I'm a little torn though, because I mean, it is Liam Neeson, right? Well, see, that's the thing. If you want to produce another action flick with Liam Neeson, you can do that any other month of the year. You know, they've proved <laughs> that with um, a handful of other Liam Neeson films. They did that one with the airplane. Uh, what was it? Just a season ago, where he's a uh, marshal coming out soon. Yeah, it's not out yet. Oh, okay. Nonstop. Well, that's okay. it. Yeah, so. but it's it, really it's like every season there's a new Liam Neeson action film. You gotta wonder. So I don't think this is necessary. Yeah, I'm looking up right now. When does Nonstop come out? It comes out on the 28th. But, you know, I, I have to admit this. I actually do like his character, um, Brian Mills or something like that. Sure. And no, I do I, too. I, do, I, I think that they already have a little bit developed there going for Brian Mills, so maybe they want to keep that going. But if there's that angle, again, like the Jack Ryan stories, you could just have another Brian Mills story and not call it Taken. It could be called something else. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, again, I I feel like they think that they can't they they can't get out of the name because they you know who how are you going to recognize the franchise other than the name? So in the characters having the same characters, I, I mean, I I certainly would go for a different name, but yeah, it's just me. They could go back and retroactively give them like a, a sub a subtitle, you know, like a, a secondary uh, title and extended. Hey, like Star wait, Wars. wait, 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 wait! We've already been down this road. <laughs> oh right okay this sounds familiar didn't george lucas do this once yes or twice or three and, and look how well that that worked out i'm not sure you want to go there joe oh okay 
Chad, what do you think? Is that a good idea? Yeah, probably. <laughs> Wait a minute. Whose side are you on? <laughs> I don't know. I mean, uh, well, the only one that they added a subtitle for was the first one. Mm. Okay. Well, speaking of Star Wars, <clears throat> did you see how I did that segue there? Oh, yeah. Um, there has been a, a start date revealed for the production of Star Wars Episode Seven. And almost no Bothan spies were injured or killed bringing you this report, according to Drew <laughs> McQueenie over at HitFix. At least, I hope that's true. No one should get hurt over simply verifying some shooting dates. Even on a film as highly anticipated as Star Wars Episode Seven. there is still not a title. That was, By the way, that was Star Wars Episode Seven colon, there is still not a title. <laughs> Multiple... They should just run with that. They can have that one. Totally. They, I mean, you know, you're just an idea guy. They're going to have to go with it, you know. Uh, mm-hmm. multiple sources now have confirmed for us that Star Wars 7 is set to start shooting mid-May and will run through September of this year, and most principal casting principal casting on the film is complete, with many announcements still to come. While Abrams had mentioned May during the TCA press tour and there had been speculation about the summer date, the full production schedule has finally been, was finally confirmed for us. Honestly, though, I don't really care about what they're doing during principal photography because they're not going to give anything away. George Lucas's like Twitter stream might be fully loaded with photos of like green screen shots with act, you know stunt doubles standing in front of them, but that that's not going to serve us anything. Um, I think right. the fans will be excited, but the the people like us, you know, we want to know more. Like if they want to share a little bit of a plot summary or right, something Joe, like that, that'd be cool. Joe, you be quiet for a Chad, are you excited about this? I am. It's finally coming. (laughs) This means that it's for real now. (laughs) So, so pooey on you, Joe. (laughs) Uh, I knew it was real the moment that Disney like bought everything up. This ship was going to sail many voyages. I I, I did not think though that, you know, after, after episode three, I I did not think we would live through another star Wars production. I thought, you know, or, or maybe it would be in the far future when they completely remade the franchise, like they're doing with everything else now. Right. Like in, Uh in in 30 years, I could see them going back and saying, let's retell episodes one, two, three, four, five, and six with a new cast and new characters. And let's reboot the series. I didn't, you jinx it. (laughs) (laughs) I didn't think we would see another star Wars production in, in my lifetime during the period of time when I cared. Um, so that's, I mean, to me, it's just kind of fun to follow the news. So don't, 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 uh, don't (laughs) Joe, just, just, you know, keep your negativity to yourself over there. Oh, okay. <laughs> uh, I yeah. this is going to be. You, 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 the, how you want to do it, TJ? Is this what's going to go down? Is this happening? Yeah, apparently. Oh, okay. <laughs> Put them up, man. Just take it outside. You, you want to step outside for a minute? <clears throat> sure. All right. Say Biff. <laughs> oh, yeah. Speaking of which, speaking of Biff, that reminds me, TJ, you know, there was another thing that was going on. I see um, what you did there. Back to the Future. Right. Back to the Future. I haven't even clicked on this link yet. Doggone it. Well, apparently, Back to the Future is getting a musical coming out in 2015. Okay, now, wait a minute. What the heck? Like, okay, seriously, let me read this entire article on the air. (laughs) Synchronize your watches. Okay, that's how they start the article. Synchronize your watches. You got to do this. Synchronize your watches. The future (laughs) is headed to the stage. No, sorry. Go ahead. Thank you. <laughs> we have just received official confirmation that the original Back to the Future film is currently being developed into a musical, a project that's quietly been in the works over the past decade. 
and is planned in alignment with the film's 30th anniversary next year. This and is for the realsies, this news. is the real 30th anniversary, people. This is the real 30th anniversary. I know. I hate all that fake stuff going around. At 30 years, you know, <laughs> this is this date, this owns, ah, so irritating. I think it's yeah. all the dyslexic people that can't really read the digital display in yeah. uh, <laughs> Doc Brown's car. Yeah. But we are almost there, you know, to the future that they visited, although it's not the future they visited, but to the date that they visited. Yeah, we're hmm. close. We're almost there. Interesting. Robert Zemeckis, you know, who wrote and directed the original three, and Bob Gale, who I don't, I don't know. Uh, he was are a currently producer. working on uh, Universal stage productions like Wicked and Billy Elioff, or is that Billy Billy Elliot? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, Ro- uh, Robert Zemeckis and Bob Gale wrote the script together. Yeah, wasn't uh. Gale a producer, or is he just, did he just write the script? Uh, he was also a producer. It was actually Bob Gale's original idea, I believe. Honestly, though, um, I can see how this is can this can happen, and it, it and it could be a good one. I mean, I'm not really into modern musicals and all that for the heck of it, but they, they could make up a, a worse musical. Now, just just to have. be clear, when we say musical, we're not talking about like a film. It, 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 we did mention it, but it was kind of passed over. It's we're talking about a stage play on stage, right. Broadway kind of thing. It'll be premiering in London's West End in 2015. Yeah. New music and lyrics by Alan Silvestri and Glenn Ballard. Interesting. With yeah, I don't, I don't know who Glenn, Glenn Ballard is, but Alan Silvestri is the one who wrote the score for the original films. Right, of course. And then they'll be using the music by Huey, Huey Lewis, Lewis and Chuck Berry and stuff like that. So it should be lots of fun. Because, huh. I mean, the guys who wrote the original script for the film are also uh, writing the, the, the book for the play, so... Yeah. I'm pretty excited, oh. especially since I have family living in London, and there's a real possibility I could go see this. Ooh, yeah. Oh, okay. Oh wait, where did I did I miss where it said it was in London? Um, it says that in there somewhere. It'll be it's premiering West End. Okay, Command F L O N D O N. There it is, London-based producer. Uh, da, 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 da. today's news fully reveals that the creative team's plans. That's one of the most American films ever. Why is it premiering yeah. there? So today's news fully reveals the creative team's plans to first open the musical in London sometime in 2015 before it is hopefully brought to the stage to Broadway. So there, so it will come here sooner or later. All yeah, right. I, I think it, I think West End is often used as a sort of testing grounds. It's less expensive than Broadway. Mm. I think that's the idea behind it. Oh, okay. I see how it works. Yeah, because you know, like Phantom of the Opera premiered over in London, and Les Misérables was well, that was French to begin with, but you get the point. But anyway, I'm excited. I just thought I'd mention this. Yeah, well, you know, we're good for this. Is, this is pretty heavy. It, it is very heavy. Great Scott. <laughs> it's heavy. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh dear. Wondered how long it'd take you to get that. No, I got uh, it. <laughs> I'm not going there. Okay. Don't get me started. I will if I want to. <laughs> <laughs> now, TJ, this does remind me, we, we actually should. Uh, here's one more segue. So, TJ, guess what? What, Joe? This what? reminds me. I have, I, I, you know what I got for Christmas? I got a Lego DeLorean. Nice. How come I haven't yes. seen this yet? I haven't even with seen a real, pictures. With a real Doc and, you, and Marty you, McFly. You call yourself my friend. Dude. <laughs> Oh, I've got you, one too. I just you want to you want to you want to make this all the more interesting? Oh, go ahead. Chad got the same thing too for Christmas. I might have known that. That strike that that kind of jogs a memory. You told me this, didn't you, Chad? I did. Okay, but I, I don't know if I've seen mine. pictures though from either of you. 
I actually oh. just built it on Sunday after seeing the Lego movie. <laughs> it seemed appropriate. So it did seem, that does seem appropriate. <laughs> we were trying to go back in time and watch it again. Now the first. question is: Are you keeping the, the DeLorean set in its own set, or are you mixing and matching anything? I mean, are you playing with these Legos properly? I, I don't have any other Legos with me, so <laughs> what? I am in college, and my Legos are at home. <laughs> Joe, no is he excuse? even qualified to be talking about the Lego movie? <laughs> I know. Well, I saw the yeah. Lego movie twice, so are you uh, qualified? Oh, okay. well, that makes up for it a little bit. Mm, it kind <laughs> of makes up for it, sort of. Like, TJ, you probably have all of your Lego collection, your wife's Lego collection, and your every one of your kids have a Lego collection, right? To be honest, I'm not sure what happened to my personal Lego collection that I had collected over the years that I had fallen in love with and that I knew uh, every uh, little really? piece and, and, and every little bit and what I could make with it. I am not quite certain what happened to that Lego set it got i think it may have gotten lost or sold or something without my knowledge uh during one of our moves because we've moved a few times as a family oh okay and Mm. at the time of those moves i had stopped playing with legos on a regular basis you know i was i was something like uh you know 20 no okay (laughs) (laughs) um but, uh, but either the day after you finish college, right? Exactly. <laughs> so, um, so I'm not sure what happened to them, and I I didn't realize they were missing because I you know wasn't playing with them on a regular basis or making things out of them. Uh, so I'm not sure what happened to those. But my children certainly have Legos of all sorts, uh, mm. and they even have the uh, almost not Legos Duplos. They have those. Oh, okay. That's for that's for my youngest children. And anybody then, anybody on the air have any uh, Playmobil? No. Uh, yeah, I think my kids have some Playmobil. Yeah. I was never into Playmobil when I was Me a neither. kid, though. But my yeah, wife was. They were too was. expensive for what you got. I got I got into Legos. They they were nice and cheap, and you could get all oh, yeah. kinds of big kits and stuff. Yeah, although you're I not you're not much younger than I am, Joe. So you probably grew up in the same basic Lego era that I did, oh, yeah, which is the, we didn't have Lego all this Maniac crazy era. kit stuff. We had blocks. And we built yeah. things with blocks. We didn't have kits to build DeLoreans or Millennium Falcons <laughs> or any any crazy nonsense like that. We ha- we had to use our imaginations. Chad, have you heard of this thing, Chad, called imagination? I've heard of it before. Yes, Not sure what yes. it is. It was one of the earliest editions of the Lego sets, and you can't get it anymore. <laughs> exactly. Oh, okay. Vintage. Yes. You know, now, TJ, were you a member of the um, Lego Maniac Club? Did you get the magazine? No, I was never into oh, Legos in that, that way. Was I, w- I was into Legos in that I liked, I loved, you know, building things with them. But I was not into like, oh, the magazines and stuff. I, I mean, I don't. Oh, I was really yeah. into it. I, I was. If, if I had known about person. them or somehow had been introduced, I probably would have been into it. You know what's even cooler? My wife has like three times more Legos than I ever had. Uh, she, uh, we have these massive tubs in the closet that for, waiting for our kids to be old enough to play with them. Nice. And uh, it's just one of those things, right? I don't know where mine are either. Um, I guess maybe my sister has them. I mean, she's 17, and I know she doesn't play with them. But that's back at my parents' house. <laughs> you, <laughs> yeah. Are you sure she doesn't build things with those things, those blocks? Well, she plays with the rest of my old toys, but not my Legos. Okay. okay. Well, hey, uh, before we really dive into this review of the Lego movie, uh, I, I ran across some stupidness. Uh, over on none other than Fox News, 
Uh, yes, you're, you, you know you have a hard uh, you're time. You're going there, TJ. I, you're I, going to the dark side. I know you have a hard time believing that Fox News would come out with anything stupid, but uh, <laughs> they did. Uh, this Fox News anchor really doesn't like the new Lego movie. I'll put this link in the show notes for those of you who want, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to play a short clip of it here. Of Hollywood pushing its anti-business message to our kids. First, it was the Muppets movie. Remember, they used an oil baron as the enemy. A year later, it was the Lorax, a casting environmentalist against anyone who dared to create a new business. And, well, now it's the Lego movie with the villain named President Business. Take a listen to him. Would you cancel my two o'clock? This next meeting could run a little bit deadly. Looks a little bit like Mitt Romney joining us from Los Angeles is Rentrack senior media analyst Paul DeGarabedian. All right, so so that's this is crazy. I mean, <laughs> what do you guys have? You guys seen this? What do you guys? I haven't, I haven't seen the video, video, but I read the article. Uh, whoa, 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 Chad, you go first. I, I I didn't watch the video, but I read the article that you sent me earlier today, and uh, to me, it's almost like Armand White Armand White uh, uh, criticizing Toy Story three for being all about product placement. The, and, yeah, it's that sort of it's that <laughs> level of crazy. Joe, you were going to say yeah. something. I was just going to say that is crazy. <laughs> but the truth is, I only watched like thirty uh, seconds of the Fox video before I just had no more tolerance for it because <laughs> you know. Um, these people, they know how to read a bulletin, and maybe they should just stop there. Uh, don't let uh, don't let them thank people because if they can't figure out the Lego Movie, then they have no business in this business. Well, okay, so basically, what happened here is that you know Fox News says that they're all about capitalism. I'm, I'm not going to go too far into the politics of all that, um, but that's what <laughs> Fox News purports to be about. So the, uh, the what happened here is Lord Business is the name of the villain. And since he is the villain, therefore the movie's position is business bad because Lord business is bad. That's about as far as the analysis went. <laughs> the filmmakers are villainizing business and cap and all of capitalism. I mean, that, isn't that such deep analysis of this film right there? I mean, they hit the nail on the head. <laughs> that's that's exactly what I and everybody else took away. And And, and, and look, it's not like us three don't look at movies critically. I'm not talking about, oh, yeah, we went to see the movie and it was fun and we didn't even think about the messages that it might be sending because we all view movies critically to some degree or right. another. And I, I, in a million years, would not have made this connection. Not in a million <laughs> years, guys. No rational person would, TJ. Yeah. Uh, thank you. <laughs> Are you saying the Fox News anchors might not be rational? I, maybe. <laughs> Yeah, well, as I said in the, in the piece that I linked to in the show notes, this this is the sort of stuff that keeps me up at night worrying about what the Hollywood machine might turn out next. Like, maybe the next movie will feature Lord Capital and the ev- their evil ways will be exposed. I mean, come on. I was <laughs> 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 oh, happy, though, that it's not garnering, garnering a lot of attention, um, you know, in least ways. I think that that's actually a good sign because I know what, that the Fox News network uh, attracts a lot of conservatives. And I like to believe that... In general, conservatives are more intelligent than they're given credit for. I'm, as someone who sometimes self-identifies as a conservative, I'm not sure you're correct about that, Joe. 
I know about, I know about, about conservatives here. having a lot of any intelligence. <laughs> I know I'm broad reaching here. I'm just saying that <laughs> I think that if they were uh, as unintelligent as a lot of people make out, then they would have probably gushed all over this report and been like proclaiming it on the hilltops and on Twitter and Facebook. But I don't see anybody really doing that. A lot of people on Facebook, I, I you know, I follow and you know, there are friends. A lot of them are conservatives, and thankfully, nobody is resharing this video. Say or you know, Fox news content and saying, see, look, they're so right. Uh, I'm not getting that message. So well, it seems like thankfully least. most people are smart enough to filter this out. Well, let but this... it is disappointing because Ugh. I cannot Jeez. believe that this qualifies for news. No. Well, let this serve as a warning to any, any conservatives out there, find your news someplace other than Fox news, please, please. The Fox. bottom line here is, is that it's a catch 22 because Hollywood is a huge business with a lot of powerful people in it and they're in it for the money and for growing, expanding, being creative and doing and trying new things. And it, say what you want about Hollywood, but they're in it for the business. They're not in Absolutely. it for art for art's sake. So uh, it, it's completely contradictory of them to try and relate a story where business is inherently bad or a businessman has to be inherently bad to be a businessman. Not that they don't and have That's not the point. But yeah, yeah. I, I, I do agree with you. Oh, and not to mention, um, spoiler alert, the character was made up from the mind of a child. So... I mean, like, okay, you expect a child to really think through these things and determine, I'm going to make the bad guy a businessman because all businessmen are jerks. Every time I've ever encountered a businessman in my long life, they were all jerks, you know? I don't think so. Yeah. No, I totally, completely agree. Just give it a little bit of analysis, please. Yeah, I'm with you, Joe. (laughs) All right. Well, that, I think, is our cue to dive in to talk about this film. So th- we are talking about the Lego movie today. It opened in theaters on February 7th, had a budget of $60 million. Its opening weekend it brought in $69 million, blew right past that budget. Total worldwide gross thus far, just on its first weekend, is $90 million. This is the first, uh, this is the first big feature-length Lego film, so that's pretty impressive. It, uh, boasting beautiful animation, a charming voice cast, laugh-a-minute ga- gags, and a surprisingly thoughtful story, the Lego movie is colorful fun for all ages. It they was, might have also added there at the end that it'll be very difficult for them to top this one. Yeah, maybe. It was directed by so. Phil Lord and Chris Miller, writers Dan Hagman, Kevin Hagman, Phil Lord, and Chris Miller. Starring Chris Pratt as Emmett, Will Ferrell as Lord Business, Morgan Freeman as Vitruvius, Liam Neeson as Bad Cop, Good Cop, Will Arnett as Batman, Elizabeth Banks as Wild Style, and I had to throw these in here, guys. Billy D. Williams <laughs> as Lando and Anthony Daniels as C-3PO. Yeah, how about those cameos? Yeah, that was awesome. I <laughs> love that part of the film. Uh, tell, all in tell all, us about, this is a great starring cast. Tell us about the music, yeah. Chad. What do you think of the music? I love the music, uh, especially the Everything is Awesome song, because, you know, everything is awesome. Everything is awesome. Um, but, but the but the score uh, by Mother's Bog is also very good. Okay, so uh, is this a soundtrack that you would listen to on a regular basis, or is it mostly like just soundtrack that works well with the movie? I got to be I honest care. here, Chad. I didn't care for the song that everybody's raving about. Everything is awesome. Oh, I loved it. Uh, I felt like it suited the story so well. It was it, so on so many levels. It, it was meant for the to be story. Uh, mocking themselves, but. 
Yeah, it was good for the story. It worked for the story, but it was really annoying. I mean, and I think it was, I thought (laughs) it was supposed to be, I thought it was supposed to be annoying. That's why I didn't care. But now all of a sudden I get out of the movie and everybody's like, oh, that's such a great song. I'm going to have it on repeat forever and ever and ever and ever. I'm like, uh, what what have you been smoking? (laughs) Some of those people must be over at Fox News. All right. Well, Joe, why don't you uh, tell us about this story? Okay. Well, I, I, I'll just go through the storyline really quick, but I want to return back to the music. Um, in this original 3D computer animated story following Emmett, an ordinary, rules-following, perfectly average Lego minifigure who is mistakenly identified as the most extraordinary person and the key to saving the world. He is drafted into the Fellowship of Strangers on an epic quest to stop an evil tyrant, a journey for which Emmett is hopelessly and hilariously unprepared. What happened, Joe? You're done with Fontaine. Yeah, voice I, I was enjoying that. And then all of a sudden, it just without missing a beat, without any transition, you're like, whoa, there, what, what just happened? <laughs> I'm sorry. Was somebody else coming onto the Skype call? I mean, that was totally me. What are you talking about? I want to hear you say in a world, in a, in a world. world, there you go. See, that's, <laughs> you can totally do voiceover work, man. Yeah, it's pretty great. Yeah, I've, I've done a little bit, but I need to, yeah, I need to go back to it. I mean, it, it, I, obviously I'm not making a living doing this or, you know, graphics design or anything else. So what am I waiting for? <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, that, 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 those statements require further investigation, but I think we can do that offline. <laughs> <laughs> well, what I wanted to say uh, actually about the music chat was I kind of have to agree with TJ on one point in the bigger picture that I I really enjoyed the soundtrack while I was hearing it. It felt like it could have been a a soundtrack of like all the Lego toy commercials combined because uh, it, you know it felt like it, in a sense it was so true to Legos in and of themselves, but also to the larger scheme of pop culture. And a large reason for that is that Lego is a melting pot of pop culture. So in Legos, you have pirates uh, from movies and you have Harry Potter from movies and you have Star Wars and all these other guys. But then you have the collection of historical sets and you have the, um, the modern city sets and all these things combined the way that they remix them and they keep churning them together. They do the same thing to their music. And so it plays homage to uh, all these different genres, but mostly the adventurous ones, the the modern uh, rock and chip tunes are get a lot of homage in here. And I enjoyed it as a as like a remix, but I don't know when I was uh, listening to the previews of the tracks on iTunes, I was seriously thinking about buying it because it was just eight bucks. But then I got to thinking about it and I was like, well, do I actually want to listen to this like as background music while I work or will I ever really listen to it in my conscious mind and give it my attention or am I really just into the everything is awesome song for all the wrong reasons? <laughs> <laughs> what, did you, what do you think about that? I don't know. I mean, my habit is to buy soundtracks before I see the movie. And so I listen to this one for a good three solid days. Uh, oh, okay. Pretty much nonstop, and I, I don't know. I really enjoy it, but I listen to soundtracks for fun all the time. Like that's the majority of my iTunes library. So I think huh. I may be the wrong person to ask about that. But um, I don't know. I, I I definitely agree with a lot of what you're saying. The the different borrowing of themes from this and that, and the sort of amalgam of culture, um, musical culture kind of stuff. It was it's it's a very eclectic score and it's lots of fun to listen to oh okay 
Cool. Okay. Well, yeah, maybe I'll actually get it then because I just didn't want to get something and be mostly disappointed with 70% of the tracks where it's like, okay, these are really not listenable unless you're watching in the film. That's cool. I mean, it's only eight bucks. So yeah, it's what, you know, just a cup of coffee. Okay. Yeah. (laughs) Well, I wanted to mention here, uh, TJ that, you know, going into the film, uh, when I saw the original trailer, I was impressed because as a personal Lego fanboy, I was thinking, you know what? I'm going to love this film. I can just feel it in my plastic joints. But you know what? Then nearing the film and seeing more of its preview clips, I started to uh, second guess myself because I was thinking, okay, the preview clips are telling me that this film is really juvenile, really silly. And yes, it's got it's very funny in a way, but it's hard to judge it whether or not it's got any substance to it and also whether or not the, the humor will be funny when you're not watching the film. Yeah. Like, will it really resonate with you later? Um, that was one of my original impressions. What were y'all guys thinking when you heard about the film and saw its trailer? Well, all I can say to that is, here he comes. Cover your butts. Oh, <laughs> <Lord>. <laughs> the, yeah, that's uh, that's a line in the movie. People, DJ's not lost his mind just yet. No, we are getting closer. <laughs> well, that's sure. I mean, I'm not denying if I've lost my mind, but I mean that that the whole movie was like that. I mean, the movie um, didn't take itself too seriously, which was quite an asset as far as I'm concerned, because this sort of movie you could really take it way too seriously. And and for the type of movie it was, everything worked beautifully in that regard. Yeah, I mean, I, I've been excited for this for a long time. And um, judging from all the trailers, I knew that the humor walking in was going to be the kind of humor that really that I really enjoy. Um, it's As I mentioned to TJ on the podcast last week, it's very Muppets-esque. And I still think that having seen the film, yeah. Um, it's very yeah. self-aware and it's very tongue-in-cheek, and uh, I love that kind of humor in a film. It's it's not afraid to sort of break the fourth wall, um, you know. Hey, we're we're Legos. We have instruction manuals to build things, uh, yeah. stuff like that. I, I'm walking into the film. I knew it was going to be stuff like that, and I was very excited, and it worked very well for me. Yeah, no, I agree. And, and the only response I have to that is uh, first try. <laughs> Sorry, I'm going to keep quoting things from this movie all throughout. I mean, just, just so you know. That, I mean, it works for me. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, why are the two old grumpy men from the Muppets now coming to mind? <laughs> <laughs> I wanted to mention, too, that when I went into this film, I took the kids and. I, you know, that's always a toss up when you take really young kids to the movies, but they both enjoyed it a lot and they were really hooked on it from the first five minutes as well. My son, he's four and he got a little bit tired of it near the end of the movie. Um, TJ, did you take your kids? I took my oldest, Alan, uh, to see the film. He's seven and he enjoyed every minute of the film. Uh, Although I think the film may have lost him just a little when we got to the real world, but more on that later. Um, yeah, yeah, I can see that. Yeah, I think I think for the most part, and, and he he was telling me all because okay, so he watches other Lego things like uh, Ninjago. Have you heard of Ninjago? I thought it was Ninjago. Uh, could be. I don't know if I've. Uh, I, I know that the uh, wizard in the. I know that the ninja like. Uh, what do they call him? 
the 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 leader of this the ninjas calls it Ninjago, but I thought the TV show was called Ninjago. Well, then why would it be okay? Never mind. We won't go into your illogic there. Ninjago. Um, I was gonna say <laughs> I heard them refer to it as a Ninjago. Ninjago. So so my he, my kids watch Ninjago and uh, different other various Lego things, and so Alan was telling me about all the different characters he saw that he was familiar with, the Green Ninja, and, and just all these different things. And Daddy, did you see the Green Ninja? And and, and, and I'm like, no, I did not. <laughs> but he certainly. <laughs> did so he was very engaged in the film and i'm pretty sure like he could tell me the plot not too long afterwards i haven't asked him since but i'm pretty sure he could tell me the plot now too so he was engaged in the film oh uh, chad did you go with anybody i went with my roommate and his girlfriend um we went to the first time i saw it it was an early screening uh 10 p.m the night before it came out and there were maybe seven of us in the theater um i'm sure the midnight huh. screening was a lot busier but uh the, the 10 p.m it was it was uh just like the seven of us and i think i was probably the most vocal in my laughter um i i was not in my theater there were two guys sitting next to me and I, it wasn't annoying or anything but they they were very in, enjoying it very much they were like maybe 22 oh, yeah, 21 22 um I, it looked like to me and my theater though was packed and I wasn't even in, like I was in the 2D because the 3D had all sold out on Saturday before. I mean, I went on Fandango at like, you know, 3.30 thinking oh, I'll get tickets for the 5.30 or 6.30 showing or something. And all the 3Ds were all sold out at the Franklin Theater and it wasn't showing in my local Dixon Theater at all. So everything was sold out except for the, the one 2D showing that I got. And that theater was nearly filled up by the time I got there. Yeah, we saw it in the middle of the afternoon, and it was mostly full, and there were a great number of adults and kids. Not too many teenagers, though, but I get that. I, I had a pretty pretty good mix. Teenagers, kids, adults, everybody. I mean, there was there was even some older folks in there. Uh, my, my theater was a, a pretty good mix. Now, that could be maybe – did you see it in 3D, Joe? No, most oh, okay. definitely. I was going to say – no, so that blows that theory. I was going to say maybe that like the uh, older folks uh, and the teenagers – uh, th- th- no, that wouldn't have made sense. So anyway, my whole no. theory is blown. <laughs> Anywho, well, well, hey, let, let's talk about, uh, and I think there's a lot of things to talk about here. So let's talk about what we like about the Lego movie, starting with Chad. Tell us exactly what made this film work for you. Um, I, like I already talked about, I really like the humor. It's right up my alley. It's very Muppets-esque, which and I love the Muppets too. So that was great. And uh, the, the whole thing is like a fun, silly. Um, and you, you sort of touched on that, t- TJ, uh, yeah. talking about um, what exactly did you say? You said... Um, I don't remember what I said five seconds ago. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't remember what you said either, but it, it, it was, it's very fun, silly. I mean, I, I, I didn't care that it was really silly because... I mean, it sort of explained later in the film why it's so silly and why certain things happen. I really love the concept of, I love that they took advantage of the fact that they're Legos. Like they were very self-aware. We are Legos. Um, we can rebuild this to make this. Um, it's it's not, nothing's fixed. Does that make sense? So they, totally. there was one point where they took a car and then they turned it into a uh, flying plane jet thing. And then they turned it into a motorcycle or you vice versa, but uh, spaceship. they were very aware. Spaceship, 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 <laughs> spaceship. <laughs> we're, we're quoting the movie again, or I'm quoting the movie again. <laughs> that yeah. was my uh, maybe my favorite part of the whole movie. <laughs> Nobody's going to tell me not to build a spaceship. <laughs> spaceship, 
Plantation. <laughs> <laughs> the payoff on that joke was really good. That was well. a long way to the payoff, and it works so beautifully. Yeah. <laughs> Continue, and, Chad. And well, I mean, that's basically uh, that like summed up. So uh, I'll get my turn again later. Who's okay. next? Well, all I had to say well, to that is... I wanted is, to add to what TJ, I mean, uh, what, what Chad was saying there. Go ahead, TJ. Uh, I was just going to make a joke. I said, all, all I have to say to that is, I only work in black. And sometimes, very, very dark gray. <laughs> well, on that note, TJ, what I was thinking was that how in the film, what I loved about the uh, tongue-in-cheek humor and the Muppets quality was that they had basically reduced Batman to one of the Muppets. Oh, and completely. Th- and what was really lovely about that was they really made him out to look and behave like a jerk. But I loved it. It just worked and you and you're cool with it. And I'm surprised that the studio would even allow for that kind of thing to happen. But at the same time, I can totally see why, because it just worked so well. And uh, it was that kind of humor, though, where it really didn't take itself seriously. And then when there is this major reveal late in the film, like Chad says, it all makes perfect sense. Yeah. yeah. Um, one of the things I really appreciated about the film was that it wasn't all just about nonsensical humor that was um, based on like gags without a foundation of the support of the the plot or these characters. So any of the gags that they have uh, made sense because they were playing up the characters, playing up their fantastical worlds. And so like there was this, what was the name of that zany, happy world place where they had that stupid cat, pink cat that was always happy. Cloud Cuckoo Land. That that was hysterical because it offered all kinds of nutty humor simply because that was the conditions that the characters in their world were a part of. And so they, what they had felt like it belonged to their world and they weren't trying to force humor. That was yes, good humor. Um, they, they were actually allowing for the humor to just naturally well up with the kinds of crazy things that they were attempting to do. And uh, like, like here's another example. Um, a lo- a president business, Lord business, whatever they, whatever they called him. He has all these relics in his special chamber and they're crazy <laughs> things like um, paper clips and band-aids and, you know, broken little things that you might find in somebody's office um, or a home. Joe. Joe, it's it's the stripped of Bandaid. Exactly. That's my <laughs> point. That, that like the strip of Bandaid, like that was hysterical. But what they did is they just made the humor out of something that they were actually using in the film, and they did that kind of thing on and on. Um, it was just really powerful using their their own plot devices and characters to to make humor that you could not have anticipated. Yep. Yeah. Okay. So for me, like some of the things that really made this this film work is uh, as far as like the plot goes. So I think that a film like this can fall down one of two ways. One, it can have such a simplistic plot that it, it you, you just like you're, you're like why why did they even make this movie? Or B, they can have such a such an intricate plot and a complicated plot that it also is just like I can't follow this. This is a Lego movie. Why does this have such a complicated <laughs> plot? But this film rode that knife edge really well like that the plot wasn't complicated it was a really simple plot uh, and and it was a really funny plot actually once you started figuring out what the craggle was right but, but at the same time it worked and it was engaging and you're like okay this plot um i'm i'm i, I want to see them win you know so on that level, I think that it really works I loved I really loved the full commitment 
to the Lego world. And wh- what I mean is the water was made out of Legos. The soap yeah. suds were made out of Legos. The ev- every thing in this world was made out of Legos. And it would have been so easy, and we never would have even noticed if the water had just been water. If, if the soap suds had been soap suds, we would not have noticed. If, if the hair had, had actually been something that he could comb, instead of when he ran his comb over it, all of a sudden, you, you know, his hair switched hair pieces. I mean, right. I love that. It was just such a level of detail and thoughtfulness and creativity into the making of this world. It, it kind of sounds cheesy, but it, and I even thought looking at the trailers that it looked a little cheesy, but in the movie, it works so well. I even wondered, like, did they have to? We, we've been working on CGI for so long um, to to make it look realistic that I wondered, did they have to rethink the algorithms of their CGI software to make it look, you know, not realistic? I mean, I mean, it's just so weird, uh, but it worked really well. Well, um, on the, that note, TJ, the animation was it felt like stop motion animation a little but bit. Yeah, that's, that's, that's kind of what I'm talking about. I think yeah, it's but a combination did, of the two. Oh, okay. Mm, are you sure about that? I I read. I, I, said, it was, I, I don't know. Yeah, I'm pretty sure it was. It looks like it could be a combination, but then what I read was it was all CG, unless it was. You know, I, I'm pretty sure it was all CG until we okay. got to the real world. Now that was obviously gotcha. stop motion or, or animate. You know, motion of some kind of real because you could tell a complete difference when we got to the real world with with uh, Emmett that he looked now like a real Lego piece and not CGI and not, not, right. not that he didn't look real before I'm not saying it was bad CGI there was just a completely different feel to it sure and, and, what, and I, what I kind of struck me was that I was actually convinced that in the Lego world everything looked authentic oh the, yeah the sort of like um, milky trans, uh, translucency of some of the Lego parts where like uh-huh. if you held them up to a light, yep. you could just see a little bit through them. And then if you got really close to them, you could see the pores on an otherwise rather smooth plastic surface. And then they did these close-up shots of various Lego characters' faces. And when they would, you're watching their painted faces animate and their mouths move. But when you know, if what you would notice is that if you looked to the edges of their smooth uh, painted facial features, you could actually see where streaks of the paint were like, uh, you know, spreading out into the pores and lumping unevenly (laughs) on the surface. So I I appreciated the insane amount of detail to something like that if it was completely CG, because that kind of texturing was like far beyond anything that was necessary. Like if you watched Ninjago, it doesn't look like that. It's it's clearly CG animation. For sure, yeah, and and it's definitely a level of detail. I don't even think we could have achieved this level of detail a couple of years ago. Oh right? no! Uh, look at the Toy Story films. Yeah, if they wanted to, they could make the the plastics and the cloth and the textures of wood and paint look completely authentic. But uh, only in like Toy Story three were they really able to get to that. Right, and, and even that, like I, I heard them talking about in one of the special features I watched on Toy Story about how they even started dumbing it down a little to keep it in the line with the feel of Toy Story and to make right. it feel more like an animated film because uh, they could really not you know dial up the realism now to where it wouldn't look like a it wouldn't look like the previous Toy Stories and 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 b that you start losing touch with the fact this is an animated feature film you know not not a not yeah. a real life feature film you know. So and, and obviously in the Lego movie, you know, that they, they, they don't have that history and then why not go for realism since Legos are real things in the real world and you know so yeah, I, I really appreciated the way they approached that. 
I've, I've never, I don't know that I would have thought, oh, let's make the water out of Legos. I mean, I don't know how creative of a person I am, but <laughs> I don't know that that would have occurred to me. So I really appreciated it. Yeah. What else we got here, guys? Well, aside from all the humor that we've been talking about, I think that um, what really sort of brings it full circle is that it's got great characters and a great like moral takeaway as well. You For know? sure, yeah. Um, uh, first, I, I shout out to the voice cast; they're all great. <laughs> and uh, I think Liam Neeson was my favorite. Uh, <laughs> he was uh, pretty there's, good. There's one point where he starts singing "Oh, Danny Boy." Uh, the old Scottish uh, folk song, and I, which is funny because I sang it in choir last semester, <laughs> and so it's very fresh in my mind. And then to hear Liam Neeson as bad cop singing "Danny Boy" over a cup of coffee, um, <laughs> even if it's just really brief, it was hysterical. Um, but anyway, um, the I loved how relatable Emmett was, even if you don't feel as not special as he's made out to be. Um, I think there's a part of us that's um, maybe jealous of people who are better at things than we are or get more attention than we do. And um, it's sort of a Kung Fu Panda-esque message where there is no special ingredient. To, to, believe you're, to, to be special, you just have to believe you're special. Um, and I, I think that really resonates with a lot of people. And um, there's also really good ideas of teamwork and imagination. And when you get into the live action sequences, uh, the idea of family um, plays in a little bit. And so there's lots of really cool uh, take homes in addition to the humor. Yeah, um, for sure. I I really uh, would echo you there on the voice cast. Um, I particularly thought, strangely enough, that Will Arnett may have been the best casting decision as Batman. I know you you say <laughs> Liam Neeson, but I'm I'm gonna say Will Arnett was the best casting decision they made in that film. Oh, he's pretty he's pretty great too. Yeah, Chris. Pratt, I agree with I, you, TJ. What's that? I agree with you. Yeah. I mean, though, I really just admire the entire cast, but yeah. it's a, it's a close, it's a, it's pretty close. The thing I liked about Liam was that he was really compelling as both a uh, good cop or bad cop, but where he was <laughs> best was when he was uh, switching back and forth from the two <laughs> and the two uh -huh. were reacting to what the other one had said. Uh, that was really clever. Like, you know, would you like a cup of water? Too bad. Yeah. <laughs> that, was, that was great. Yeah, I that was pretty good. I would have liked to have been in the recording studio with Liam Neeson recording Good Cop. Yeah, that would have been <laughs> funny. Because you certainly, uh, I wasn't even sure. I had to look it up. Like, did he actually do the voice of Good Cop? And he did. But yeah, it, it was, yeah. uh, it, I would, that was, I mean, because I did not, I would not have connected that had I heard it just by itself. I would not have heard Liam Neeson. No. So, yeah. But yeah, Will Arnett, definitely my favorite. Um, everybody's fawning over Chris Pratt, and I thought he did fine. I, I But I think that they could have changed out the voice of, of Emmett and we wouldn't have noticed. Uh, so I, I think it was fine. I think, but he may be the most replaceable in the cast. Uh, that's kind of, I, well, not ironic, but uh, you know what I mean. You know, I know exactly what you mean, and I thought of that as I was saying it, that, that he isn't special. I mean, I guess spoiler alert, although, I mean, you can kind of get that from the trailers. You know, you do get that from the trailers. But, but yeah, I mean, it, they did pick the everyman, I guess, to, to play him. Um, yeah, I'm not at all familiar with Chris Pratt. Me but, either. Uh, I mean, I thought he did a good job. He did fine. I, I agree with what you're saying, too. Yep. Mm. Yeah, you did fine. Uh, I, I would say too that the the message was good. What was it? You said something, Chad, that made me that I didn't quite agree with about the message. I don't remember what it was now. 
Um, um, was it the aspect of family? No, 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 no. Believing in yourself? Yeah, I think the believing in yourself. I, I think there's more to it than that, although I wouldn't say – I'm not going to say whether this movie was or wasn't going there. I think it requires more than just believing in yourself to be good. I mean, I think well, yeah. I think that is a good aspect. Like, if you don't believe you can do something, then you, you're not going to be able to do that something. That That's certainly true. But I do think right. that you need – like. I think that if if it had just been Emmett by himself without the other people who had skills, then um, I think that it, everything would have failed. So I, I think there's kind of a balance to that. And, and I think that the movie actually kind of visited that. Well, yeah, um, you know, fit in, don't fit in, whatever. Be the person you're best suited to be. I think that's more the message of the film to me. Right. That's fair. Yeah. And and I did like it. Like, um, you know, the whole nonconformity aspect where Lord Business's whole thing is you're going to fit into the mold that I've decided that you're going to fit into. Right. And and uh-huh. because you won't do it, I'm going to release the craggle on you uh, and glue you all into place exactly the way I want you. And I'm going to send my micromanagers to micromanage you. And so I really did appreciate the message of the film with, without a doubt. It wasn't anything like what those stupid Fox News people were saying. um so um are you guys ready to talk about and and argue with me about the thing that i didn't like or do you want to talk some more about things that you did like no i'm Uh, satisfied i think we've made it pretty clear this is fun entertaining it seemed like to be heartwarming and it looked really cool looked really good all right guys prepare your ammo okay i know that you guys don't have a complaint in the world with this uh with this (laughs) film i did have a complaint okay and I know I'm going to – I even said when I wrote my review, I'm going to catch flack for this uh, because everybody loves this part of the film. I didn't like the real world stuff. Not a bit. And Okay, no, but please explain why. Okay, why is because it took me out of the film. I was – I'm not saying I disagree with what they were trying to do. I get exactly what they were trying to do. I just didn't think it worked. Um, and I know I'm one of the few people that believe that think that. Um, I think what's pretty cool about that in the context of the film is that the whole film, you've just been witnessing how the Lego world interacts with its world. And the moment that you're taken out of that and you witness uh, a completely different world that the Lego world is contained in, the way it was set in the film, I think it was deliberately jarring. So that you could experience the jarring characteristic that or experience that Emmett was having. So in a way, I actually appreciated it because you're right. It didn't feel like it belonged. It was like it would have been as crazy as maybe rather than moving to the Lego world and seeing a man and his son in a basement moving to the studio where the directors and animators were making this film and talking about how it should be made. I mean, it, it, it was literally as jarring as anything they could have possibly switched to. But then they made it work because it was like intentionally awkward. Well, it was awkward and it, 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 uh, it played into the plot of the film, which I didn't like, like it, 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 because what they were doing out here now affects what's going on in here. And all of a sudden these characters are not characters that are growing as, as characters, they're being manipulated by outside forces. I mean, the whole thing just kind of fell apart for me at that point. Um, and and I would say that um, they kind of broke their own rules with uh, how Emmett was able to actually affect some movement in that outer world, even though we could hear him thinking, he's like, oh, can't move, can't do anything. I'm, I'm, you know, all of a sudden now he's outside of the world and he's just a Lego piece. 
and and he's like, well, uh, oh, but if I if I think really really hard, then I can like kind of jump around on the table and fall off. I, I like that was just really weird to me. Completely broke the rules of what they were trying to set up. I remember somebody saying that it was like they borrowed a little bit from the Matrix to make that work. Who was that? Was uh, that you? No, not me, because I, I don't think I would agree with that. Mm. Come on, Chad, you've been kind of quiet. <laughs> I mean, I I see what you're saying. It doesn't bother me. I, I think, I don't know, it almost seems like a sort of Toy Story thing to me, where, yes, these characters and the things that are going on are coming from this child's imagination, but the way I sort of pictured in my head is when he's not present, they're playing out his fantasy. But that's And then see, when he's here, or when Lord Business is there, or his father, that's when they're emotionless. But see, that's the thing. Um, I, I, I think that Toy Story is internally consistent. All of this is purported, proposed to be real in the world, and the only reason that the people around the toys don't know that they're alive is because they play dead. Where in this, in, in the Lego movie, there was two worlds. There was the world of the Legos, and there was the outer world. And now all of a sudden, when he's brought out of the set, now he's in the outer world. It, it, it's, the whole thing was just kind of muddled and fuddled and befuddled and whatever. And what's funny, too, is, TJ, I, I actually felt like one of these things you're saying is how it, it, it's the, the suspension of disbelief went beyond what you could handle. And I actually wrestled with this while I was in the theater seat and thinking and processing, processing the film there and i was actually surprised because i found myself really wrapped into the moment and enjoying it for what it was and i knew like you're saying that i mean like because i am an avid toy story fan i thought about that i was like wait a minute what are they doing here are they ripping off toy story but then i was also wrestling with the fact that it was different from Toy Story, it was like, well, if you're going to rip off Toy Story, do it right. You got to do it right. You know, but then there was the other part of me that was like, well, no, uh, I don't know what to think. But then I just let the scene carry itself and I gave it a, tr- a try. I just thought, okay, well, if what if I just try to buy into this? And, and here's, here's the thing, TJ. I think that the problem we're having is actually we're just a little bit too old. Uh, to get into the act three don't without wrestling with this issue. I don't buy it. You might be too old. I think old. kids just... <laughs> no, you're old. <sighs> do, you, do you believe in fairies, TJ? What do you mean? I do believe in fairies. Explain I do. Explain I yourself. Do. There's no such thing as fairies. That's another movie reference. Come on. I'm not getting that one. Peter Pan, Peter Pan. Neverland. Hmm, I don't remember that. Oh, he's forgotten his childhood. He doesn't remember how to fly. <laughs> I was never a big fan of the of the Disney Peter Pan, so that may be where this is coming from, if that's the one you're referencing. No, no, it's in all of the Peter Pans. Sorry. Okay. All right. Uh, well, y- 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 people who are listening catch my drift, and I think Chad gets it too. And I, I, th- I think on some wavelengths, TJ, you kind of get it. But it, it's, it's, <laughs> it's annoying. Like... I, 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 I feel both arguments here. And I think that at the end of the day, it's like if you introduced a 30 year old to the original cartoon Frosty the Snowman, and I know it's a, it's a cartoon classic and they play it, you know, year in and year out and kids everywhere love it and adults love it. They grew up with it. But if you show a 30 year old today, that cartoon and uh, he didn't watch it growing up as a kid, I don't think he's going to get much out of it. 
because it there's it's just it's it, there's too much silliness and there's too much fantasy involved. Okay. Well, this is my thought. Okay. That being said, can I tell you though about one of the things that I didn't care about? Yes, please. I I, I don't, didn't want to be the only one that had a negative opinion of something. I don't care if it's the same thing, but it's just something in this film. Come on. <laughs> well, for one thing, you know, Will Ferrell is a, a great, talented voice actor, and I've enjoyed him in a great number of films. One where he really shines extremely I, well. I think you and I are going to come to blows over this, but continue. All right. Well, one where he shines really well is the voice of Megamind. And that was a really, not like an outstanding family film, but it was really good. And the more I watched it, the more I appreciated uh, Will Ferrell's performance as the the supervillain turning into a hero. Um, Sorry, spoiler alert there. Um, (laughs) The thing is, though, in this film, I felt like most of Will Ferrell's performance was all awash. Because even though he was selling himself as the cliche bad guy who was, you know, who had every resource at his disposal and could easily wipe out the good guys and was maniacally evil, just inherently so, the the downside to him was that he pretty much just shouted all of his lines. And even though a great number of them were intentionally funny, though a great deal of them were intentionally funny, they all just turned into noise. And so it was not so easy to really appreciate his performance because uh, I'm, I'm still trying to absorb a whole lot about the visuals that the gravitas that I should hope for a powerful villain was a little bit lacking compared to a lot of other animated films. Well, let, so, me, um, let me just we say could have, we could have had a better bad guy is what I'm ultimately saying. Mm. Well, let me just say that I don't normally like Will Ferrell in anything I see him in, but I thought his performance in this film was deadly. <laughs> Come on. That, he wasn't shouting all his lines. That was great. I thought his performance was top-notch in this film. I thought he was perfect as What Lord did you Business. think of him when he came on screen? Now, in okay, his, his on-screen performance is more of what I would expect from Will Ferrell that I didn't really care for. Really? See, that was where I was kind of like, both he and the son character performances felt like they were just two humans that were uh, playing, play acting deers caught in the headlights. Um, they didn't seem to really know what to do with themselves. Yep. And that was where I kind of felt frustration because, you know, when you're witnessing the Lego world in action, you, I kind of thought from the very beginning, even though I did not know what the twist was going to be, that everything that was playing out felt like it was from the mind of a child playing with Legos. And I loved that because I was like, even if Lego, the movie doesn't go there, that makes sense. The we're watching toys. Batman should act like a toy. He should act like a child is putting these words into his mouth. And then when they showed the real human characters, it was like the directors didn't know they weren't in the zone to write for them in the moment. And they didn't know how to perform their part because they only had one scene in an otherwise animated film. And they just didn't quite gel it right. They didn't have time to learn who their characters were. And, and even so, it worked for me. I just felt like it, it wasn't as convincing, oddly enough, as the performances of the Lego world. Mm, okay. Chad, did you have anything you didn't like about this film? I'm guessing you didn't. Not really. I'm just sitting over here humming. Everything is awesome. 
<laughs> Everything is awesome. Okay. Um, oh, I, I, mean, I meant to say, I think I got it. But just in case, tell me the whole thing again. I wasn't listening. <laughs> now, that's a good one. <laughs> yep, that was good. I, I like that. I don't know if I would have thought of that. Okay, whose note is this in the show outline, yet worse crimes are committed? Uh, that was my note. What are those worse crimes? No, not in the film. I was saying, yet worse oh, crimes oh, oh, oh. You, you mean that this film's crimes are negligible? Note, people, this is another place where TJ got something I was saying wrong. <laughs> it, it, it was a confusing note. I was just wondering. Okay. And I, this is the first time I actually, I, I realized, oh, you, you probably typed this stuff up, so I just scrolled down. And, oh, look. So this is the first time I'm looking at it. Now, you do say something here that I, I do agree with. The film gets away with more suspension of disbelief than most. I would agree with that. I, I, I think that, uh, I, and maybe I think that's why, the for me, the, the live the performance, aspect the live performance doesn't work yeah. very well is because I had completely suspended my disbelief. I was in the Lego world. I had bought into that Lego world. And now all of a sudden, it's like the camera zoom back and you see all the Lego sets in, in, in the real world, and you see the kid playing with them, and and, and you, you, your suspension of disbelief has been marred. I think that's what happened for me. I don't know. See, mm. for me, I, I loved my time spent in the Lego world. I loved all of, all of it. I mean, it was lots of fun. We, we can all agree with that. And I think that the live action scene just added that much more to the film. It, it took this movie that was about teamwork and about being true to yourself, uh, being the best you, you can be and, and stuff like that. Everything and it added is in awesome. this, <laughs> right. And then it added in this aspect of, uh, a, a sort of father son, well, not sort of a father son relationship, this father realizing, Hey, this, there's more important and things in life than, uh, uh, keeping my child away from playing or from being creative or, I mean, he, he's sapping his creativity, uh, his son's creativity away. And so, um, having him come to that realization outside of the Lego world while still having plenty to take away from inside the Lego world, it, it wasn't an issue for me switching between the two and the ending. It felt a little like they were beating that over my head where we were getting that message anyway in the film. And now all of a sudden we've zoomed out and we've bro- broken your suspension of disbelief. And now we're going to club you over the head with this message. That, that's I I think that more than anything, maybe that really encapsulates. I, I hadn't really put it in Manila, put it into words until that like that really encapsulates what I'm feeling about the end of this film. Hmm. Uh, eh. 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 All right. <laughs> All right, as, as 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 always, almost always, there's something about that I, I'll say or that you'll say, and one of us will go, eh, whatever. So, <laughs> you're, you're being petty. Yeah. Okay. Well, even so, um, let, let's move into our final thoughts and our our you know where where we kind of end up with this film. And uh, Chad, uh, Joe, and I have been really stealing the show from you here, uh, especially Joe, because you know he he, he really <laughs> likes that limelight. So why don't you tell us? Uh, kind of your summarizing thoughts and your star rating and, and things like that. Okay. Well, um, as I was writing my notes, preparing for the co- a podcast, I originally wrote down four and a half out of five stars. Cause you know, I mean, as I, I say, I have no complaints. I can't think of any big ones. There might be a couple tiny ones, uh, but there, there, there are a couple things surely that I did not like fully enjoy or wish they had done differently. But that being said, I always try and figure in my enjoyment of a film mm-hmm. a little bit to my star rating. And so thinking about that, yes, it's not a perfect film, 
but I loved the heck out of this film. I had so much fun both times I saw it this weekend in 3D and in 2D. And for that, I think I'm going to have to give this a five-star rating. I, I haven't given that out in a little while. Um, I, I, I'm a little more liberal with my five-star rating than you are, TJ, for sure. Yep, um, you are. But, um, uh, and like I said, this isn't a perfect film, but I think that as much as I enjoy this film and as few dislikes as I do have, uh, five stars is uh, a good rating for this one. Okay. And I will say, uh, to your point about the star ratings, like just because you can't find fault with a film doesn't necessarily mean it's always a five-star film. Uh, even right. if you have nothing to say, well, I really dislike that. It just may, it just may, may be like, eh, it's just really not quite up to the five-star level. So I think you can always go there. Now, obviously, that's not quite what you were uh, going for, but I, it's just a thought that I had while you were talking about your star ratings. So, uh, Joe, tell us about your uh, uh, crazy star rating here. Well, I'm giving it five for five as well, because at the end of the day, what I like about a good film, a great film, is how many times I expect to watch it again and again and still enjoy it. Um, a film like The King's Speech, it's it's a remarkable film. It's very artistic. It's Left so field. well performed. What, King's Speech? What? It's heartfelt <laughs> and meaningful. But the contrast here is that something like The King's Speech, though it is a really good story, is that... I cannot see myself watching it 20 years from now and caring all that much because by then I'll be tired of the story. And in that way, even though it is a cl- instant classic, it's not a personal favorite. And uh, when I weighed all the balances and judged that film when it came out, it was one of those films where I said to myself, you know what? It just doesn't have that special secret sauce that makes me want to watch this again and again and stop to watch it. If somebody else already had it playing. So, with this film, though, you know what? I, I watch movies to be entertained. I watch them to uh, to laugh along with them and to return to characters that I, I I really enjoy and something that I can enjoy with my entire family. So I think that when the kids get this film and my son becomes enamored with it as he starts to play with more and more Legos, I'll be kind of like, you know, hey, you want to have a father son thing and we'll sit down and build some Legos and watch this movie. And, you know, I can see us doing that for many years to come. And I think that I won't really be thinking in the back of my mind, you know, hey, they should have done that differently. You know, I, oh, what are they doing? You know, I won't be thinking that while I'm building Lego sets with my son. I'll be enjoying it in its, you know, complete raw entertainment value. Okay. Um, yeah, I mean, I would say that. Uh, well, first, let me ask you guys this: What was your star rating, Joe, for Wreck It Ralph? That is a very good question, TJ. I Look think I up. gave it four point five stars. Chad, what was your star? What would your star rating be for Wreck It Ralph? I'm looking it up. Uh, I don't remember that it was four point five, but I want to say it was I gave 4. it four and a half. So you both like this film more than Wreck It Ralph? I think so. And as, much as, I love, as much as I love Wreck-It Ralph. You gentlemen I, I think, are traitors, and I never want to be in your company again. No. Um, okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, I mean, so so uh, I'm going to make this comparison. I mean, because I, I have to admit, all yes, throughout, 
th- throughout the the making uh, or throughout the looking forward to this film, in the back of my mind, I was thinking, I really hope this is up to the level of Wreck-It Ralph. I really hope that because it's a similar concept. You're taking in in the case of Wreck-It Ralph, you've got the video game world that you're entering into, or in this you know world, you're entering into the Lego world. But it's kind of similar, right? And it's animated. Yeah. So I was wanting it to to in in its own way be as good as Wreck-It Ralph. I still like Wreck-It Ralph better, which I gave four and a half out of five stars. Uh, I'm giving this film four out of five stars because I really, really, really enjoyed it. I just think that I will go back to Wreck-It Ralph more often than I will go back to the Lego movie. And I feel like Wreck-It Ralph achieved things that this movie didn't quite get to. Um, and I think maybe I think maybe Wreck-It Ralph had a little bit more of heart where this film – Yes, it was fun, and I loved the fun, but I think that maybe Wreck-It Ralph had a little bit more heart to it in the story. But I felt like in the end, uh, though I really agree with your assessment there of Wreck-It Ralph, I, it is one of the films that my son watches like every other day. Oh, so you're, you're, you're just tired of it. No, I'm not. No, I haven't I'm not. seen it since I saw it in the theater. Honestly, it brought a few tears to my cheek the first two or three times I watched it. I really liked um, most of the moments in that film. But what I dislike is that... Ultimately, there are so many things about the video game world that don't really add up, and it's the suspension of disbelief that I go ahead and swallow every time I watch it that I, I think is poorer there. It's, it's harder mm. to suspend my disbelief with that film than with the Lego world because with the Lego one, it's obvious that everything about this is pretend and imagined and so outlandish that if you cannot suspend it for a minute, you're not going to enjoy the entire film. So it's a fantasy. It's a fantasy where almost everything you're watching has to be interpreted as a fantasy. But with Rocket Ralph, they're trying to somewhat kind of explain how these characters can travel through the wires and get to and from each other's games. And then there is like a catch-22 here. Well, you can do this with a code, but you can't do that with a code. And so that's how you're able to work from game jumping to this and that. And when they do that, it's actually a little depressing if you think about it, because in the end, that arcade is going to go out of business and all of them are going to get unplugged. I guess. I mean, you could say the same thing about the Legos. That at some point, those sets are all going to be torn down. Uh, for me, though, my suspension of disbelief in Wreck-It Ralph was just as much, just as present as it was in the Lego movie. So that's not an issue there. Um, mm-hmm. And in fact, I would say my suspension of disbelief was held on, held on better, again, because of the issues that are referenced in the Lego movie, where I was taken out of that suspension of disbelief in the Lego movie, and I never was in Wreck-It Ralph. So th- th- that said, it's a really good movie. Uh, whether whether or not I should do this, whether or not this is a good way to do it, I do think that my judgment of films is often quite affected by the range of emotions I feel while watching the film. And I felt a wide range of emotions with the Lego movie, as I did with Wreck-It Ralph. Um, although I would say with Wreck-It Ralph, I did actually uh, uh, find that the onions were quite effective, affecting my eyes in quite a way. Whereas with the Lego movie, it may be just a little bit misty, right? So maybe that maybe that does affect my star rating. I don't know. But I, I would I would heartily recommend the Lego Movie. Heartily recommend it because heartily. it's heartily because it is very very good. Um, and uh, don't for a minute take my one criticism and say I'm not going to see that film because TJ doesn't like it because I do like it. I love it. That's my that's my story and I'm sticking to it. Okay. Well, gee, that was fun, guys. Yeah. 
Everything Thank is you, awesome. Oh, I knew you were going to do that, Chad. As soon as I said <laughs> that was fun, I knew you were going to do that. I just knew it. Uh, well, next week we're going to be talking about RoboCop. Um, I'm I'm quite annoyed, guys. I'm I'm really annoyed. I uh, put in my Netflix DVD queue the original RoboCop that I've never seen, and I want to see it before uh, I see the new one, which I don't expect to be all that good. Um, but I expect the old one to, to like it a little better, perhaps just maybe even just because I know the era that it's coming from and it's, you know, I'll forgive some of its mistakes, perhaps. I don't know. Uh, but I'm annoyed because I put it in my Netflix queue and all of a sudden it, it wasn't a long wait when I put it in, but then all of a sudden, like I noticed that the email that I got said that the DVD that was coming was not Robocop, but the next one in the queue. I thought, what is up with this? Oh, so it. I went and looked Lame. at the, I went and looked at the queue and now it says long wait. <laughs> Which is just fun. So now I'm going to have to go rent the thing on Amazon or iTunes or something and spend an additional money. I'm already paying for a Netflix account because, and by the way, I went, I, I only recently came, went back to the DVD queue thing in addition to live stream, watching, you know, streaming because uh-huh. a lot of stuff just isn't available streaming that I want to see. And, and it's like, okay, I'm renting stuff from iTunes enough that it would just be more economical to have a Netflix DVD queue, which you can right. also get Blu-rays. So anyway, I'm annoyed. I'm sorry. So, next week, RoboCop. I think it's just you and me, Chad. You and me, me and you. What? What? Monster, Monster Sync. <laughs> what, what just happened? I, I don't even know. I, I don't even understand what just happened. It was it's Monster Sync. Mike sings it. <laughs> Both of us together. Huh. Yeah. I, yeah. Okay. Kind of rings a bell. It's going <laughs> to, yeah. Anyway, Monster Sync is not my favorite film in the Pixar series. So I don't watch it that Thank often. You. So, as I was saying, <laughs> RoboCop, uh, thank you for being here, Joe. Why don't you tell us a little bit about how we can uh, keep, keep keep in touch with you now that you've, uh, you're not with us every week anymore. How do we keep in touch with you? I'm going to keep bringing that up. Well, TJ, you know what? There's this other podcast in the world out there. If you, if you search the lonely, dark, quiet, dusty place called iTunes for movieology, you will find this other beacon of light out there that has a couple of voices on it. One of them that's familiar and a couple of them a little less so. I mean, if you release a podcast more than once a year. That's right. Well, that's why I said it's dusty. I mean, <laughs> but when it happens, it's like one of those things in the Raiders of the Lost Ark. It's just when Indiana Jones finds it, it's all that matters. I mean, you, you broke up with me, and now you don't even go out with your, your, your new uh, uh, more than once a year. I'm, I, that, that analogy completely broke down. <laughs> <laughs> I was really hoping you could make that work there, TJ. <laughs> You don't even go out on a date with the new guys more than once a year. I mean, come on. Uh, <laughs> well, any, anyway, so movieology, that's a good... That's yeah, right. We I, have not even had one episode since last year. So we're, we're, we have one that should be coming out this week, maybe by the time that you get this episode. And then we have another one probably installed for Monuments Man. Excellent. And then if you want to catch on, uh, up with me, I'm on Twitter. I'm Joseph Darnell. All right, Chad, where can people keep up with you? Uh, you can find my movie site at chadlikesmovies.com. You can find me on Facebook at facebook.com slash chad.hopkins and on twitter.com at twitter.com slash chadadada, C-H-A-D-A-D-A-D-A. Excellent. <laughs> and I don't, I still don't know what's going on, but you can find my work at moviebyte.com, M-I-M-O-V-I-E-B-Y-T-E.com. I write every day there. 
Uh, and occasionally I even write reviews like I wrote for the Lego movie, which coincidentally you will also find in the show notes. Um, you can follow me on Twitter. It's the best place to keep up with my uh, public ramblings at uh, twitter.com slash tjraperpro. Uh, you can follow me on uh, Letterboxd and other places. If you go to my profile on MovieByte, you can find the links there. Uh, if you want to get to the show notes for this episode, you can do that at moviebyte.com slash mbpodcast slash 79, and you'll find all the links to all the cool and awesome and fun and amazing things that we talked about in the show notes. Uh, and as I um, w- love to remind you every week, be sure to drop by iTunes and give us a star rating if you have not done so. That really helps us out. And uh, make sure you tune in next week for RoboCop, and we'll talk to you then. Until then, see you all later. Bye. Ta-da-da-da. Ta-da-da-da. Ha, ha, ha.